Well, good morning. I'm Camper Monday Associate Pastor, and I too would like to welcome those of you who are visiting or welcome back, as the case may be, uh, for our William and Mary students. Uh, we always miss you during the summer, and so we're glad to have you back again this fall. And we're continuing in the book of Psalms where we have been for most of the summer and actually where we will continue through the end of September. And during our, our first week in this series, we were in, in Psalm 1, and I, I mentioned that, that Psalms, uh, for the, the ancient Hebrew people as well as for the church today, serves as both prayer book and song book. Now, thinking of, of Psalms as, as a prayer book, uh, you, you may not know this, but this will probably be no surprise to you. The most commanded Christian practice in the Bible, in other words, you take the top ten, number one on the list, most commanded Christian practices, we are called to pray. A posture of, of dependence, a posture where we receive from God, where we go to Him in trusting obedience. So, uh, that's probably no surprise. But again, Psalms is both prayer book and song book. And so what may be surprising to you is this. The second most commanded Christian practice in the Bible is song, is to sing. That we are called to sing. Next to prayer, singing is commanded more than any other Christian practice in the Bible. I mean, did you, did you even realize that we're commanded to sing? Sure, we, we do sing, but did you realize that, that God commands that we would sing? That we are called to be singers, that we are, are called to sing songs of salvation. And the words song, sing, singing uh, are, are mentioned well over a hundred times in the book of Psalms alone. I think it's 120-something times just in the book of Psalms, not to mention uh, the rest of the Bible. And so we can't have a sermon series on Psalms and not have at least one sermon that focuses on singing. Uh, we have focused on prayer, and so today we will focus on song. But why? Why do we sing? Think about that for a moment. Why do we sing? Uh, you know, it, it's one of the oddest, most peculiar things that we do. So, some even think that it's weird. But also, it, song is, is one of the most wonderfully, naturally human things that we do. You see, through song, we are often able to express what with merely spoken words we are unable to articulate. That which we struggle to articulate, to to really make a clear statement about song allows us beyond that to express something even deeper. Now, I am well aware that, that some are good singers. Some sing very well. Uh, you have beautiful, skilled, gifted voices. In fact, I love to hear you sing. Others, myself included, uh, not so much. Uh, broken uh, voices, you can't carry a tune, stumble along in, in, in the words. But i got to tell you, it doesn't stop me in my car. Uh, driving around with the family in our, our minivan, especially if uh, on the radio or, or maybe uh, through our iPod, Darius Rutger comes on. 
Now, I first knew him as Hootie of Hootie and the Blowfish, but nowadays that soulful country artist, just known as Darius Rucker, comes on and I just get right on into it. But it is not a moment later that I hear from the back seat, Daddy, please stop singing. <laughs> there is not a camper singing fan club in the back, I, I will tell you that. So I just turn up the volume and try to let that be a little bit louder than me. So yes, some of us are messy singers, but that should not stop us from singing. I mean, I mean think about it this way. Some of you are messy eaters, and that doesn't keep you from eating. But seriously, what one Reformed theologian says this. If you do not learn how to, how important it is to sing God's praises regularly with others, and to listen to God's praises sung, then you will actually not be changed deeply by the gospel. Now this radical statement is based on the biblical understanding that singing is not simply for entertainment. As, as many see it today. Uh, that it is not simply icing on the cake for those that like icing, but it comes from the biblical understanding that singing is more profoundly an act of worship. A Christian practice to help us grow in grace. To help us connect with our God. And to grow with Him. That it would stir up our faith. And so today, I hope we will see the renewing nature of singing salvation. And that brings us to our text, our text this morning, uh, Psalm 33, uh, verses 1 through 5. You already have it in front of you, your order of worship. Very first thing, call to worship. You've already heard this text. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's found on page 463. Let me pray before we hear God's word. Our good and, and gracious God, uh, you who have commanded us first to pray and then to sing, we need you to meet us this morning and, and to teach us, not only teach our minds, but we pray that you would, would teach our hearts, that you would tune our hearts, that you would open your word to us and us to your word and that you would bring gospel transformation deep within us. And then in response, we would grow as those who sing of your salvation. Help us to hear. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now, hear the word of God. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 5. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to Him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And this is the word of God. Well, as we consider this passage this morning, I want us to consider the purpose of song, the power of song, and the perfection of song. 
So that's where we're headed. Purpose, power, and perfection. So let's start with purpose, the purpose of song. Well, simply put, now I've already pointed this out, we are commanded to sing. Uh, we see here song that is skillful, it's done with excellence. Uh, song that is joyful, it, it comes from the heart. A song that is praise, it, it is directed toward God. And throughout the Bible, we see that the purpose of song in the Christian life is on the one hand to glorify God, but also to clarify the gospel within the heart of the believer. So first and foremost, through song, we are to glorify God. Take a look for a moment. Just the, the first three verses here. We are to shout for joy in the Lord. We are to praise His name. We are to give thanks to Him. We are to sing to Him a new song. Worship is about what we love. It's about what we give our lives to, what we give our affections to. Now, before we move on, in the idea of, of song is glorifying God, song as worship of God, I want us to think for a moment um, about lesser loves. I'm not saying that in a way that's degrading them, just putting them in their, their proper place. Lesser loves. Uh, there's love of spouse, love of parent, love of child, siblings, friends. But I want you to think for a moment about that special love. You know the one I'm talking about. The high school sweetheart. Or if the feeling was not mutual, the high school love interest. Now, we all have those cheesy high school love songs. It doesn't matter what generation you grew up in. We have a wide variety of generations here. So whether you were in high school in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, or most recently the 2010s, uh, you know of these songs. Songs that, in a sense, glorify another. Song that, that, songs that point our affections to someone else. Songs that, that praise them, him or her, for, for their love and their many wonderful attributes, elevating him or her above all others. I only have eyes for you. Well, one of the primary ways that we express delight and affection toward God is to direct our song, to direct our praise, our affections to him through song. To praise Him for His character, and to praise Him for His work. And that's what we see here, uh, verses 4 and 5. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Skillful, joyful singing of praise to the Lord is rooted in God's Word. It is rooted primarily and fundamentally in God's Word. God's Word through which we know His character. Here, that He is upright, faithful, righteous, just, steadfast. God's Word through which He accomplishes His work, particularly creation and redemption. You see, our songs celebrate who God is and what God does. Now, does that rule out lamentation or confession? Does that rule out struggle and suffering? No, by no means. 
but rather it sets them in the redemptive context of the steadfast love of the Lord. So first and foremost, our singing is to bring glory to God, and in glorifying God through song, something else happens. As I mentioned already, the purpose of song is also to clarify the gospel within our own hearts. The longest psalm, Psalm 119, verse 32 says this, I will run in the way of your commandments, O Lord, when you enlarge my heart. Through singing, our hearts are enlarged. Our hearts are more fully filled. They, they, they become more full of God's goodness and grace and mercy. That the word of Christ would dwell richly in us. That the gospel would be more deeply rooted in us. And I'll touch on this a bit more in just a moment. But right now, uh, back to the uh, high school love songs. Uh, for my high school days in the 80s, uh, the group for me was Chicago. This is my moment of confession. Or anything Peter Cetera. And then what was really great was when Peter Cetera teamed up with Amy Grant. That put the Christian stamp on it all. I was set. But you, you've got your own. They come on the radio and, and, and they move you like nothing else. But think about the songs that we sing when we gather as God's people. Think about the praise choruses. Think about the hymns. When we sing praise to our God, it can move us deeply and profoundly like nothing else. In fact, for me, there are many Sundays when I come to gather with you, God's people. And in particular, on days when I am scheduled to preach that I am not yet ready to preach until I've sung. In other words, my heart has not yet heard the gospel afresh. Interestingly enough, this morning was one of those mornings. I left, Heather asked how I was doing, I was like, I'm discouraged, just a whole number of things. That made me anxious, because I was like, I've got to get ready to preach. And so I sat down in my office and I began to pray out of this place of anxiety. And I looked and I said, oh, I'll be preaching about singing. And we'll be doing that before... I preach. Do I trust that God will meet me? Either before that or through the song. And sure enough, that's how it was for me. First service. It was my heart heard the gospel through song. I was refreshed. Song clarifies the gospel in our hearts. Okay, that's the purpose of song. Now I want us to look at the power. The power of song. Now, to some degree, we've already seen the, the power of song in relationship through the cheesy illustration of high school love songs. Power to influence our relationships, what we think, what we feel, what we do, how we interact. But also in song, there is power to influence culture. The Nazis thought that if they could capture the nation's music, then they could control the culture. And they thought that if they controlled the culture, then they would control their country. And they were right. Song is a powerful influence on culture. And so it matters profoundly what we sing. Now most profoundly in song, there is power to change hearts. To transform hearts. Spiritually transforming our hearts with the word of God. With the gospel of our Lord. Because you see, song makes God's word more vivid. 
Song makes God's word more memorable. It's the testimony of Scripture. According to Colossians 3.16, song is one of the primary ways that the word of Christ will dwell in us richly, will deeply penetrate our hearts. Now, as I was thinking about song clarifying the gospel in my own, in my own heart, not, not only this morning, but another place where I, I recently experienced the power of song was, was a week ago, last Saturday, uh, preparing for the hurricane and uh, through my almost four-year-old daughter, Hope. Because you see, as, as the day was approaching, of course, there was, there was Friday Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning, we were doing a lot of things to prepare our house. Um, and I just got busy. And, and I would really call it, in a lot of ways, an anxious productivity. Now, I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I was anxious or that I was worried. And if I had been, I would have recognized that that betrayed the truth that I was not trusting in God. No matter what happened, that He remained good, that He remained my deliverer. So I went on about the day, and of course the... Uh, the afternoon came, uh, the rain was heavier, the wind got stronger, we lost power. Uh, I began to, to wonder, are the, is the wind going to blow a window out? Is a tree going to fall on the house? Are we going to be okay? So we were all prepared to, to hunker down in the hallway uh, for the night, thinking that to be the, the safest place for our family. And So we, we had put our, our youngest two to bed, and uh, then it was time to get Hope ready for bed, and she said, Daddy, I want to say a special prayer, which, which was surprising to me because a lot of, of what we've done so far have been more form prayers with her. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep and, and Psalm 23 and, and some other prayers like that. And so I said, sure. And, and she began to pray from this place, not of fear, but this place of very real childlike faith, the very thing that you and I are called to. We're not called to be childish, but we are called to be childlike in our faith. Now, I'm going to continue with the story, but so that I don't over-spiritualize my children. As soon as the hurricane had passed, the prayer for hope, she began praying for the healing of our television set. <laughs> so we're really not all that special spiritual. But anyway, back to, to Saturday night as, as we were waiting uh, the, the hurricane's uh, force uh, through Williamsburg. So she prayed, and, and uh, then she said, well, I, I want to say Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And this is about the time I began to realize this is coming from a place of confidence in this little girl. This is not where I am at this moment. And we finished the psalm, and I said, well, it's time to read your Bible story for the night. And she goes, I know what story. And she grabbed her Jesus storybook Bible, and she turned to the captain of the storm. Jesus calming the storm. And I read that, and my, my heart began to hear the truth of who my God was. And when we closed that, she said, now I want to sing. I want to sing of God's love for us and our love for him. And so we sang, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And as we sang, we were encouraged, we were strengthened. Led by a little child, we prayed and we sang. We remembered God's word in the midst of the storm. We remembered the gospel 
through song. Our hearts were transformed from fear to faith. There is power in song to move hearts. And so we sing songs of salvation, praising our our God through the gift of singing that our trust and our delight in Him might move, as we've already sung today, might move, might grow toward completion, toward perfection. And that leads to our last point. We've looked at purpose, power. Finally, let's consider perfection. The perfection of song. In much of what we sing together as a congregation, you will notice, if you pay attention, that at some point in the song, we begin to pray, we begin to sing about all that is to come. We begin to pray about the return of our Lord. And so in that, song stirs up in us anticipation, as it should. We sing about what Christ has done. We sing about Him meeting us now, and we sing about Him coming back. Song stirs up in us anticipation of that day when Jesus will return. Of the day when Jesus will make all sad things come untrue. Of that day when Jesus will make all things right. Song stirs up in us anticipation of the day in the words of the Apostle John in Revelation That day when Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. And we will sing a new song. And song also stirs up in us anticipation of the day when we will more fully hear. When we will more fully hear the song of our singing Savior. That's right, a singing Savior. In fact, we heard part of his song this morning. Your assurance of pardon. Zephaniah 3. Verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. A singing Savior. Well, the writer of Hebrews gives us a glimpse of what our singing Savior is doing now and also what He will continue to do when He returns. I'm going to turn briefly to to Hebrews chapter 2. Focus in on verse 12. You can just listen if you would like. As a way of context, I'm going to back up just a little bit earlier in the chapter. From Hebrews 2. We see Jesus who is crowned with glory and honor. Because he suffered death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We see the author of our salvation who is not ashamed to call us brothers. And who says, verse 12, I will tell of your name, O God, to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. I will tell of your name, O God, to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, with us, in our midst, I will sing your praise, O God. Jesus is singing. Now the next question is, what is Jesus singing? 
Jesus here, he is again quoting from Psalm 22. And I'll say again, because when was the first time we heard Psalm 22 from the lips of our Lord? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My hands and my feet are pierced. I am poured out like a drink offering. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the cry in the darkness isn't how the song ends. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King, and here, Hebrews 2, our brother, our brother will lead us, his family, in singing praise to the Father. I will tell of your name, O God. I will tell of your name to my brothers. From within the congregation, I will sing your praise. Now, the first time I was reflecting on that verse, and I, I mentioned this in our adult ed class, I believe it was last spring, on corporate worship, the pursuit of God in corporate worship, uh, when we considered God's pursuit of us, and then in response, our pursuit of Him. But it, it reminds me of my brother, Matt. I have a younger brother, six years younger than I am. Uh, he is a trained professional actor and singer, uh, has a wonderful, skilled, beautiful voice. I love to hear Matt sing. Now, every once in a while, and, and, and Matt and I don't get to see each other a whole lot because he lives in New York City. So he's up in Manhattan. My parents are about an hour outside of Atlanta, and, and here I am in Williamsburg. But every once in a while, uh, we're able to all be together on a Sunday morning for corporate worship. Now, on some of those Sundays, my brother Matt will be right next to me, and we will stand to sing. And he's not performing, he's just entering in in joy, singing praise to God. But as he stands beside me, I can hear the beauty of his voice on the one hand, but at the same time, I can still hear my puny, not-so-beautiful, difficult-to-listen-to voice. But then there are those Sundays, for some reason, maybe it's just the seats that are available, where Matt ends up sitting behind me. And we enter into song, and something different happens. Because he opens his mouth, and the beauty of his voice, and the power overwhelms me. It rushes through me. My voice gets caught up with his and becomes beautiful. And my friends, that is a picture of the gospel. You see, as one commentator puts it, not only when God looks at me does he see the beauty of Jesus, but also when God listens to me, he hears the voice of Jesus. At the end of the service, we will stand to sing. And Jesus, in the midst of our congregation, by His Spirit will sing through us, and our voices will be made beautiful. And even better, on that great day when Jesus returns to make all things right, our broken lives our broken voices will be fully restored in Jesus 
and the song will be made perfect. Our Lord calls us to sing. And when we sing, our hearts are more deeply renewed. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you, I exhort you, sing. Sing that you might believe more fully. That your hearts might be transformed more deeply. That together we might be built up as God's people. Singing together His praises with one voice. And as we praise the singing Savior, let us anticipate the grand symphony when the singing Savior returns and the song of His church is made perfect. Let's pray.